yeah. Smith's the anchor. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah, check. Fantasy sports and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this. Cover every sport and we get it all right. Log on the site, you can listen tonight. Talk about the game, who in first place. You can even call up, state your own case. Football, b-ball, soccer too. Log on, ain't nobody stopping you. It's fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Hello everyone and welcome once again. This is a Thursday night as you know, 8 p.m. If you're sitting in front of your PC or your whatever device you're listening to this program, I am JT aka The Master along with my esteemed co-host Jeff the Joker. And uh, we make up the uh, FSP Crew Show. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. I'll say that again like I always do. 347-637-3220 is the place to be if you want to talk to Jeff or me. We have a great show in store for you uh, tonight. Um, Have some um, sad news and have some disturbing news about um, players in, in the basketball world and also in the uh, NFL world. Um, but uh, before I get into that, let me bring in my uh, esteemed co-host, uh, Jeff the Joker, and uh, welcome him to the show. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, Jerry. How you doing? Okay. Um, I was remiss in also saying that I also have a chat room sitting out there if you'd like to join in. Um Via the chat room, you can also do that. Um, we welcome any kind of input that you uh, um, give to the show uh, to make it that much better. Well, the sad news I got, Jeff, and I'm pretty sure you know about it too. Um, uh, my uh, This cl- hits close to home, and really close to home. Um, uh, my uh, sister-in-law. Happened to be married to Daryl Dawkins for 10 years. Um, oh, my God. And, I had no idea. And, and since since uh, uh, had moved on and, and remarried um, in 2001. And uh, this is sad news because I've, de- I've met Daryl Dawkins several times on a um, uh, 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 personal basis, I should say, uh, in a relaxed environment, not in a... Uh, in a social gathering, it's family social gathering. So Daryl Dawkins um, passed away, for those who don't know, at the age of 58. He leaves behind a wife and uh, I do believe four kids. And uh, he is a, was a, um, a hell of a guy. And I'm going to play this little short uh, snippet, and then I'll come back. Ain't quite naturally. Jeff, are you there? Yeah. Quite naturally, the one the one thing I want to play, it won't play. Um, like I said, at age 58, 
He passed away of a heart attack. Um, hell of a guy, a trailblazer in the NBA, um, caused the NBA to um, uh, uh, incorporate breakaway rims. And um, uh, after he he uh, um, um, destroyed a few rims and backboards, he uh, also um, was the first high school a sad player. day in the basketball world, Chocolate Thunder. Mm-hmm is gone. I'm Ken Berger, CBS Sports NBA Insider, with the sad news that Daryl Dawkins has died of a heart attack at the age of 58, his wife Janice and four children confirming the news in a statement released by the NBA. Dawkins, of course, known for going straight from high school to the pros as the fifth overall pick of the Philadelphia 76ers in 1975, but most of all for his Chocolate Thunder nickname, given to him by Stevie Wonder, and for his backboard-shattering dunks. He was an icon and a pioneer, and he will be missed. Dawkins spent the majority of his NBA playing career with the Sixers and Nets, both teams releasing statements of condolence on Thursday. The Sixers saying, we've lost a dear friend and iconic figure, both on and off the court. Reaction pouring in from around the NBA on Thursday, the most heartfelt from Carl Anthony Towns, who wrote on Twitter, We'll miss you so much, Uncle Daryl. There will never be another chocolate thunder. Indeed, Daryl Dawkins, a legend, a giant of the sport, dead at the age of 58. For more updates and reaction, stay with us here at CBS Sports. Like I said, um, real personable guy. Uh, What you see on TV is the same way you got him. Off uh, once you uh, off off the air, um, regular a re- real regular guy, real down to earth, and uh, um, it's a sad day. First guy I should say, and I started to say this before that clip uh, um, with a delay clip, uh, jumped in. High school player to get drafted in the first round. Um, uh, he got drafted uh, in the first round in 1977, 78, something like that. 75, I think it was. Um, and uh, got drafted. Uh, I think he got drafted fifth in the fifth round, in the first round. So, um, Chocolate Thunder was given a name given to him by Stevie Wonder, um, and uh, real lovable guy. Um, haven't hadn't talked to him in quite a while. Hadn't seen him in quite a while. But uh, Daryl never changed from the time he walked into to play for the Sixers and the Nets. Uh, until he uh, passed away. Same personable guy. Talk to me, Jeff. What's your thoughts? Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I remember Daryl Dawkins very well. Um, you know, he, he was. You know, he was a, a lot of personality, you know, fun, seemed like a fun-loving guy. Um, you know, back when he started his career with the Sixers, uh, you know, on Sundays they had, uh, you know, NBA on CBS and, they showed a lot of Sixers games, and those were very good teams. That's when they had Dr. J, Doug Collins, uh, George McGinnis, and so on, um, uh, Lloyd Free, uh, before it became World B. Free. Um, um, you know, so they had talent, but it was also a team with a lot of uh, – a little, little bit of controversy and maybe didn't have the best chemistry. You know, everybody said their problem was – they can only use uh, one basketball, not three. So uh, his first two years in the league, uh, 
he didn't play a lot, um, which which is not good because you know for a, a young player to develop. But then, he, you know, he started to play, and you know when you come straight out of high school, everyone expects you to be Hall of Fame, and you know he was a good player, but you know I think because you know, his career is perceived to be somewhat of a disappointment, but he was still a very good player. Later on, he had a lot of back problems. Uh, then in the early 80s, the Sixers, um, you know, they were kind of like perennial bridesmaids. Uh, they, they signed uh, Moses Malone as a free agent, and uh, they traded uh, Chuck of Thunder up the turnpike to the Nets. Um, and, uh, you know, he was... He was uh, Pretty good, uh, you know, strong center for the Nets. And, uh, yeah, he, he was funny sometimes. Like, uh, I tried to find it on YouTube. Uh, he once uh, had a little disagreement with Marv Albert. And I, I can't believe it's not on YouTube. But I guess they can't have everything. But, uh, yeah, that Marv Albert clip was great. And, uh, uh, you know, Mo- Moses Malone went right from high school to the ABA. And then Bill Willoughby went straight from high school to the NBA, and then that stopped for a while. Then it became popular again. And then, uh, you know, later in his life, um, Dawkins was talking to kids and encouraging them to uh, go to college. So, you know, shame. Seemed like a nice fella. That's true. That's true. Um, hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. Um, uh, condolences go out to his family uh, and, and friends. Um He'll he'll be definitely uh, missed. Let me put it that way. Um, uh, one one of a kind of personality and the type of guy that he was. Um, just to say, God bless him. Fifty eight, definitely way too young to, to uh, um, leave this earth. But you're never guaranteed. Uh, um, what never guaranteed a, a day on this earth. So uh, you make you make the but the most of it while you have it. All right, let's move on to some disturbing news now. Um, I, like I said, I had some sad news, which I relayed that. <clears throat> now I have some disturbing news. Um, one's in the NBA. That's uh, um, We'll segue into that. And the other one is in the NFL. Okay, now if for those that are stay in touch with the sports world and stay in touch with what's going on in sports, and especially in the NBA, know that a um, lawsuit has been filed against uh, Derek Rose for uh, by his ex-girlfriend, uh, and he's accused of uh, drugging and gang raping his ex-girlfriend. And um, and uh, I'll read this. I'll read this article because it provides more details about the woman who says that happened that in, in L.A. Um, and the complaint actually names um, 13 defendants. Derek Rose, his friends Randall Hampton and Ryan Allen, and 10 un- unnamed John Doe's. And, and lists nine cause of, causes of action, including sexual battery, battery, and trespassing. Now, quite naturally, Rose's lawyer says that uh, it's a desperate attempt to shake down the basketball player and completely false and without any factual basis. But the woman says that she and Rose met in October 2011 in L.A., uh, at an L.A. party, I should say, hosted by a mutual friend, 
uh, friends and eventually started an intimate relationship. Before the alleged rape, she claimed Rose began asking her to do sexual acts that made her uncomfortable. She says he asked her to masturbate on, uh, and, and this is going to get graphic, graphic here, I can see this, uh, masturbate on Skype. She said no and Skype, stopped Skyping with him. He asked her to involve others in their sex life, in particular strippers and other couples. Um, that, and that's what says in, in, in the complaint. In late 2012, she learned that Rose had a girlfriend back in Chicago, but she stayed in a relationship with him. The complaint then goes into detail about two particular incidents with Rose. In, in the first, she took she 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 took a trip to see him in Chicago in May 2013, and brought brought along her friend, who also is a sex therapist, to help Jane Doe. Um, that's that's Derek Rose's ex-girlfriend, become more comfortable with sex, and especially oral sex, as Rose had requested but never received oral sex from Jane. The friend called A in the complaint at some point started stroking <laughs> Rose's penis. Oh, my God. Am I going to get into this here? Um, a encouraged Jane to take over stroking, then Rose in turn instructed Jane and A to stroke each other. And Jane were both offended by that suggestion, and Jane indicated that she would never touch another woman like that, while A indicated that it was completely a complete turnoff for her. During the trip, the woman also believed she caught Rose and A after they had kissed and learned about Rose's child. She decided to break it off, but she but still saw him again on August 26, 2013. The woman went with a friend to a home in Beverly Hills where she claims the defendants put a drug in her drink. Her friend called C in the complaint was not drugged. Here is how the complaint describes what followed. And I think it's going to get pretty graphic here, Jeff, so bear with me. Um, Jane sat by a fire pit at the house and began picking up burning gemstones, fireplace, and tossing them. Her friend C was upset and told her she was burning her hands, but plaintiffs now drugged, did not notice. Wow, she must have been pretty numbed out. Um, Plaintiff friend C was not drugged or inebriated. However, she kept a close watch on Jane. At one point, defendant Allen claimed to see, um, and it's an F word, I'm not going to say it, talking, take off your clothes, take your clothes off. C refused, and at this point, defendant A, Allen, became angry and agitated and began yelling. What are you here for then? And, well, get the out. And you, you, you put the words into that. Um, next, the defendants ordered a cab for C, and defendant Allen continued to yell and repeatedly insult C, while also pushing her towards the front door. Defendants planned and hoped to kick C out so the drugged and incapacitated plaintiff was alone for them to have their way. Near the front door, Allen stood there waiting for C to leave, but C stated that there was no way she would leave without Jane. C knew that plaintiff was incapacitated and was not safe left alone. Finally, C managed to get plaintiff in the cab waiting outside, all while defendant Allen continued to yell profanities. The cab driver dropped C off first as her residence was closer to the Beverly Hills residence than plaintiff's residence, which was near downtown L.A., completely, uh, excuse me, approximately 35 minutes away. Plaintiff was not extremely incapacitated, was now extremely incapacitated, and the cab driver helped her walk 
to the front door. Once inside, Jane was in and out of consciousness. She threw up in the bathroom could, could barely make it to her bed, lying down with her clothes and shoes still on. Now the morning of August 27th, 2013. That's a, uh, exactly two years ago today. Defendants drove from Beverly Hills to plaintiff's residence, known, knowing that she was drugged and incapacitated. Upon information and belief, defendants checked the front doors to plaintiff's apartment complex and found one that was unlocked, as it often was left unlocked or propped open by various tenants. Defendants then proceeded to Jane's apartment, which was also routinely left unlocked. Jane has very little recollection of the events that followed given her incapacitated state of consciousness with a recollection of only a few second flashes at a time. However, Jane does recall brutal details of the rape. She recalls a flash with all three defendants in her bedroom. She remembers stating, why are you guys here? Where's my roommate? She recalls defendants Rose walking towards her bed, lifting her dress and penetrating her. She recalls feeling extremely sick and very dizzy, attempting to roll over as she was gagged, gagging and nauseous. In another flash of memory, Jane remembers Rose laying by her side on the bed close to her face while the other guys were having sex with her simultaneously. This is crazy. Uh, in another flash, she remembers Hampton pinning her arms down on either side of her head while she was on her back and feeling as if she could not breathe because of his weight on top of her. She recalls attempting to sit up and defended Hampton pushing out, I mean, rushing out of the room. She also recalls defendant Allen running in to grab his tennis shoes and running out. In the early hours of August 29, 2013, Jane's roommate, had returned to the apartment after going out and was inebriated. Dee noticed that there was a man in the living room but did not recognize him and did not realize what was going on. Dee walked into her room, and while unlocking the door, she was approached by one of the men who tried to force their way into her room. She pointed to the bathroom and said, The bathroom's over there. But the man appeared intent on coming in, presumably, to rape her as well. Dee was able to slam the door shut. She then turned her her fan on, as she usually does, and went to sleep. When Jane woke up the next day, she was on top of the bed. Her dress was up around her neck, and there was lubricant all over her body. There was also what appeared like used condoms strewn around the room and bed. Jane also had painful burns on her hand and from the burning gemstone. And then it said that the next day she went to work where a co-worker told her to call the police. She said she didn't because she felt ashamed and embarrassed. She didn't want her family to find out. The complaint said that she was afraid of retribution from the men. She said she eventually lost her job because her productivity was severely affected by the rapes and she was unable to perform as she did before. Um, I'm not going to go any, any further. I think you got the gist of it, Jeff. Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, serious stuff. I mean, the thing is, uh, I, I guess she's pursuing a civil uh, uh, litigation, and, um, you know, serious as it is, these are accusations, and um, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, someone in Derek Rose's uh, situation, he makes a lot of money, and it, it is possible 
that she might be looking for money. Uh, you know, it, it, and his, uh, his spokesperson, uh, denied it. So, uh, you know, he's not real popular in Chicago right now. So, uh, you know, I'm sure this will uh, make him a little less popular. But, uh, you know, there, there have been, you know, it, it's usually, you know, celebrities making a lot of money like Rose. There have been, you know, big celebrities uh, falsely accused of uh, similar type things. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, I would say uh, um, to be uh, continued. Let me put it that way. To be continued. We'll wait and see what happens. Um, quite naturally, there was a denial. Um, in a Rose camp, and um, we'll wait and see. Two two year two years um, almost well to the day that it supposedly took place. Um, supposedly she was from a, a very conservative family, and that's one of the reasons why she didn't come out immediate, immediately. With this, besides being embarrassed and, and ashamed, um, but uh, you got to understand when you deal with a professional athlete that there comes. And I'm not. I'm not condoning this at all. So when I say this, I'm not condoning it. But what I'm saying is, you need to go with your eyes wide open when you deal with a professional athlete, regardless of what sport they play, um, because of uh, they're, they're high profile and um, they're used to getting their way. And I'm not saying that this this is this is true, but um, there's a lot uh, to go uh, when you start dating, whether you're a man or female, male or female, dating a male or a female that's in a professional sport. Uh, there's a lot to go with it. Um, they're high, a, 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 a type of personalities for the most part. Um, they're used to being um, the one in charge, the one in getting their way, because that helps them to be what they are in a professional environment in their sport. So they're a type of personalities, and uh, you have to be well-equipped mentally and, and sometimes physically to uh, deal with that. So, um, and a lot of a lot of uh, men and women, um, regardless of what the professional sport is. A lot of men and women um, spouses um, have a hard time at times, and it, it really—I guess—it really depends, and also on the um, professional athlete uh, being able to deal with the high-profile athlete um, and and their ways. All right, let's move on to some other disturbing news. And this has to do with, and, and unfortunately, this is news, so I'm bringing it up, um, that uh, um, another 49er, believe it or not, it's another 49er um, that uh, just got just just got indicted today for... Uh, 
uh, by the Santa Clara uh, Grand Jury, along with uh, former defensive lineman for the 49ers, Ray McDonald, on Wednesday, um, stemming from an incident on December 15th, um, uh, a four, uh, what is it now? They got accused of uh, misdemeanor sexual battery, okay? Um, and um, and McDonald was charged with one count of rape of an intoxicated person. Another person, um, and that's what I'm saying, another person um, that, uh, and I'm assuming this is female, that um, probably didn't realize what she was getting into. Um, and before she knew it, it was too late. She was intoxicated. And um, these probably these two football players who are accused now, I'm not saying they did it, but are accused of taking advantage of her um, in an um, uh, intoxicate, intoxicated state. Uh, Brooks faces a maximum of uh, six months in jail. Um, um, McDonald's is scheduled to be arraigned uh, September 15th. He faces a maximum of eight years in prison. So, uh, Jeff, two more 49ers, one ex-49er and then one, one that, a present 49er. Um, but he's still a member of the team. That's what the uh, general manager says for now. What's your thoughts? Tell you that this has got to be. I can't think of too many other uh, pro sports teams to have an off season like this one for the Niners. Um, you know, they, they've lost guys to retirement and you know off the field troubles, and uh, uh, you know it's going to be teams going to be almost rec- unrecognizable. Um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, serious allegations, you know. And um, earlier this week, Chris Carter was telling. Uh, it came out a year ago at the uh, rookie symposium. He was telling uh, rookie players that they needed a fall guy. And my, he got a lot of criticism over that. And this is a year old. My gut instinct, the way I interpreted it was, you know, not a guy who's going to do time for you. I, and, and I think some celebrities have this. I'm thinking like, to me, a fall guy is like, kind of like almost like a buffer, you know, like if, you know, you, you know, if you're a celebrity, you know, football player, whatever, you go to the club and you got at least one guy with you. And, you know, sometimes, you know, especially in a place like a club, you know, guys could be jealous and, you know, they see, uh, they recognize a guy who's, uh, you know, pro ball player. Some guy could, you know, have a couple of drinks and say, hey, you know, you stink, you're overpaid, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the the football player can't say, hey, F you, buddy, you know, step back. Mm-hmm. But right. his buddy can. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's what I thought he meant by a fall guy. And uh, that's why, you know, celebrities have a bodyguard, you know, to, you know, act as a buffer so the celebrity doesn't have to tell someone to take a hike, the guy who's with him, you know. But, you know, they really ripped uh, Carter over the coals for that, you know. Well, I don't know if you saw saw the uh, video. I saw the video, and it was plain what the um, Chris Carter was saying. He was saying that if you rolling and, and you have a, a posse with you, <laughs> excuse me, it's got to be um, 
established or it's got to be uh, known to one one of those guys in your posse that if some stuff jumps off and I'm involved, you the one going to jail. That that's that's the fall guy, the guy that's going to jail. If something jumps off and it pushes comes to shove, you're the one stepping up. You're the one going to jail. That's and that's why he caught so much criticism because he's saying that uh, if you're a professional football player, and this this is this had to do with football players, and a lot of them do roll with a what you saw a so-called posse, a group of guys they grow up with, or they they uh, college guys they hang out with, or whatever, and, and they rolling somewhere, they hanging out in a club or whatever, and something jumps off. And it's something that it, it leads to somebody getting arrested. One, one, just like a designated driver, you, the designated guy, to go to jail. That's the fall guy. And I guess he was sending the wrong message um, to the rookies. This is a rookie symposium, and he sent the wrong message to the rookies um, that um, go ahead and do something, just but make sure you got somebody with you that's going to take the fall, not you. And you know that's I, I you know uh, I, I can't see too many people condoning that, but I gotta believe, even though he said it uh, and, and got condemned for it, I gotta believe that there are circumstances that that uh, have cropped up over the years that 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 scenario has been played out. Posse rolling with a pro athlete, and something jumps off. Somebody's going to jail, and it's the fall guy, the guy that you designated, not the driver, not the designated driver, but the designated fall guy, unfortunately. All right, what we're going to do now is um, take, a, take a short break, a couple-minute break. Uh, we're going to promo a couple of shows, and then uh, we'll be right back. Looking for fantasy sports advice? How about informative conversation? Look no further as the Master Plan features two men that can help in both areas. Jerry, the Master Taylor, and Lance, the NFL exporter Goodman, provide you with a fantasy fix live every Sunday morning on the Master Plan at blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365, and listen to other informative programs as well. That's the Master Plan, Sundays, 10 a.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K and streaming at spotonradio.webs.com. Information, motivation, variety, the Master Plan. Gardner began the fantasy sports and politics brand with the idea of combining two of his passions into a radio show. He then learned that politics were 95% of sports. When you tune into the fantasy sports and politics show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Mr. FST himself, Vic Gardner, and Jerry the Master Taylor will go over the weekend sports. 
prep you for your upcoming fantasy games and spark a debate politicians would love to hear. That's the FSP Show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K. You can listen at spotonradio.web.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. For other informative programs as well, information, motivation, variety. Okay, we are back. I am JT, and I'm the master, uh, uh, a.k.a. the master. I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Jeff the Joker. Um, you're listening to the FSP Crew Show. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. 347-637-3220. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, um, we also have a chat room sitting out there. If you'd like to uh, uh, put a question out there, make a statement or a comment, you can also do it in that chat room. We'll address it. As we see fit, uh, what you put into that chat room, what, what you get out of it. So it is what it is. All right, let's get that back to um, um, talking about the NFL. Uh, there's a few things I want to talk about the NFL because uh, um, training camps are still going. And uh, players, uh, name players, are going down, I wouldn't say left or right, but they're going down at a untimely rate, let me put it that way, uh, especially for those who have drafted early, which I, I don't agree with, um, but uh, those who have drafted early uh, are suffering suffering the consequences of drafting early. And and, and uh, let me put this out there, Jeff, that I think you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, on Saturday, which is Saturday, on Sunday, I'm sorry, the 23rd, which was a Sunday. Um, I had a draft. My um, nephew runs a 14-team PPR league with a nice, nice uh, buy-in. Um, and and uh, I attended that draft. And uh, as we're drafting, uh, one um, um, owner, team owner, happened to draft Jordy Nelson. And uh, I would say not maybe an hour or two after that, um, give or take, uh, quite naturally, the uh, Green Bay Packers were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when that happened, uh, uh, Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. And uh, lo and behold, um, it it came out. I think somebody picked it up on a um, a mobile phone. They got an alert or whatever. And if I happened to be sitting right next to the guy, and he told me that Jody Nelson just tore his ACL, I said, "What do you?" I said, you, you, "You're kidding me, right?" He said, "No, I'm not kidding you. Uh, he tore his ACL." So, um, quite naturally, after Jordy Nelson tore his ACL, it was a mad dash for um, for the most part. I, I wouldn't say mad dash, but um, one particular owner got lucky enough at the time to grab Devontae Adams. Um, the reason I'm saying all this is because from what I'm seeing here, the Packers are the Packers because this was such a significant injury and they don't want it to happen to, uh, anymore to their starters. And also in that Pittsburgh game, Marquise Pouncey, the uh, Pro Bowl center, went down and he's gone for 
uh, a few weeks. I think he's got a broken a- uh, ankle. Or, no, he's uh, going for the uh, year, I think. Is, is he going for the year? I think so, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, he fractured, fractured his ankle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, uh, he, he's gone uh, in that same game. And I, I think there's an, with another player, and I can't recall who it was in the, in the same game. I think it was on the Pittsburgh side, not, not the Green Bay side. So um, Aaron Rodgers was very despondent at the, after the game with an interview. Uh, one of the things he says is the shame that he went down in a meaningless game. Um, now they have to uh, expect their second-year player, Devontae Adams, to set, step up uh, to be the number two receiver opposite the Randall Cobb. And also there's going to be a battle this weekend uh, when the Green Bay Packers play between Jeff Janis and Ty, the rookie Ty Montgomery on who's going to be the number three wide receiver. Um, I just picked him up in, in that league, um, picked up Jeff Janis because, because someone else had Ty Montgomery uh, when they drafted uh, on Sunday. But uh, no one picked up Jeff Janis, and the first time to do it was uh, yesterday on the waiver wire. So I picked up Jeff Janis uh, because I think he's got a better chance than Ty Montgomery, rookie. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the reason I'm saying that it's like I said, the Packers are expect, expected to sit their starters this weekend, um, and it, usually the third game is when the starters get the most work, um, and uh, um, try to try to get the, uh, uh, some game reps in and some extended game reps in, um, because quite naturally. They don't play in the fourth fourth uh, preseason game for the simple reason that there's so many other guys on the team that are trying to make the team that they don't want the uh, coach, head coaches don't, don't want the uh, starters playing in the fourth game with a chance of getting hurt leading into the uh, um, uh, real regular season and give a chance for the guys that are on a roster bubble one last chance to make a make a um a pitch on the field that they should be part of that fifty three. Jeff, what's your thoughts? And this is I'm getting to right now. What's your thoughts on the Packers saying, you know what? Starters uh versus the fourth game, we're gonna go to the third game and more than likely the fourth game you won't play either. Um because uh we don't want anybody else getting hurt like Jordy. Talk to me. You know, I wonder if they're going to really follow through on that. I mean, you know, they're a very good team. I mean, I don't think Aaron Rodgers needs it, and probably a lot of other guys don't need it. Um, You know, uh, I think NFL teams do need preseason. They might not need four games. This comes up every year because there's usually at least a couple significant injuries. And the thing is, you know what these owners like more than anything and there's no way they'll cut down the two preseason games unless they could expand the regular season to 18. You know what I'm saying? It's not. There's no way they're going to go with two preseason games and stick with 16 regular season games because they're going to lose money then. I mean, they're still making a fortune, but these guys, they don't like to lose any money, you know. Um, and the preseason games are a big moneymaker for these guys. They, yep. They uh, they're mandatory if you have season tickets, full price, which is ridiculous. And during uh, the preseason, 
you got a lot of guys on the roster, but they're not making real money until the regular season. I think they get something like $500 a week. They make money on it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, sit these guys, you know, each coach has their own philosophy, in my my opinion, Jeff. Um, Bill Belichick versus Mike McCarthy. Um, Mike McCarthy says, I'm not going to take a chance and and play my starters, supposedly, uh, in the third game, which is usually a tune-up game for starters. Bill Belichick's probably saying, no, we're starting everybody. Everybody's going to play. Um, um, I expect them to do their job. Um, And um, not worry about injury. Uh, And like I said, some coaches have that philosophy. They're going to play. Um, and, and we're trying to get, we're trying to evaluate players. So I'm not resting anybody or holding anybody back. Versus Mike McCarthy saying, "Well, Jordy just went down. I don't want to take a chance." And Aaron Rodgers because uh, the offensive linemen, um, some of them aren't 100, percent so it could put Aaron Rodgers at risk. Um, and I don't want any of my other wide receivers that I uh, need to go into the regular season to get hurt, get hurt. Um, because that will lead us thin at, thin at wide receivers, and that will affect the offense, uh, which we uh, uh, sorely need if we're to succeed uh, in the, in the uh, division and in the conference. So, uh, every, like I said, everybody has their different philosophy, and um, uh, um, it, it's going to play out this weekend. Some, some teams uh, are going to play their guys an extended time, and some teams won't. All right, I want to get into another one here that, <clears throat> and I just found this out. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just found this out. Everybody, uh, uh, well, not just everybody, but a lot of people were calling this guy one of the breakout players of the year. Uh, one of these guys that he's going to take a step and be a big-time player. And uh, um, by all intents and purposes, the Steelers were, were um, not – not on board with that. They're saying pump the brakes on that more or less. That uh, it wasn't going to be Martavius Bryant um, uh, as the number two receiver. It's going to be Marcus Wheaton. Uh, Wheaton supposedly had been outplaying Bryant um, through through OTAs and offseason workouts or whatever else, and also into um, uh, training camp. Um, and but the buzz was still saying that uh, Martavius Bryant was going to be the breakout player, uh, one of the breakout players in wide receivers uh, of this year. Well, lo and behold, lo and behold, Octavius Bryant failed multiple marijuana tests, multiple marijuana tests, and it appears it has the makings of a boomer bust of wide receiver three, um, and he's facing a uh, well. Supposedly he got he he got a four game suspension, or going to have it very shortly because of multiple failed uh, marijuana tests. Um, so uh, I know that he didn't play until uh, halfway through the season, if I'm not mistaken, the latter part of last season, and he uh, showed up big time. But Big Ben had been saying that Marcus Wheaton was the number two wide receiver um, when he got interviewed, that Marcus Wheaton had been really showing out. So, um, But the talk 
the so-called experts had said that Martavius Bryant was going to be a breakout player. Well, it looks like that breakout just broke uh, and uh, four games. Um, so at the beginning of the season, uh, Le'Veon Bell won't be with uh, with the team for one or two games. I think, forget exactly what he's getting. Two games, I think it is. And uh, Martavius Bryant doubled that and won't be with the team for four games. So um, I would have to think that Marcus Wheaton is going to be the breakout player and not Martavius Bryant. Um, he he probably will be a very inconsistent uh, number three uh, wide receiver. Uh, and uh, um, give you production when you have him sitting him on a bench and no production when you put him into the lineup. That's how inconsistent I am. Uh, one of those frustrating guys that, that not going to be consistent enough to be able to draft because of the fact is um, this is going to set him back uh, from where they, people thought he was going to be. And uh, it, it's going to probably take quite a bit for uh, Mike Tomlin to bring uh, to get uh, um, Latavius Bryant out of the doghouse uh, once he comes back and is able to play. Jeff, your thoughts? Martavius Bryant, supposedly a breakout player, four-game suspension, um, and also not the number two like a lot of people thought. The number three, Marcus Wheaton is going to be playing while Martavius Bryant is going to be sitting for the first score of four games. Talk to Man, they ought to rename that team the Pittsburgh Potheads. I mean, what is wrong with those guys? Because uh, Le'Veon Bell is uh, missing the first two uh, games of the season. If it wasn't for that, he'd be number one in every draft. He's still top five. Um, I don't get it, you know. Um, I, I mean, thing is with Brian, I mean, he had eight touchdowns last year. Um, not too bad. Um uh, I mean, this is a golden opportunity for Wheaton. You know, uh, I don't know if he'll rise to it, but, uh, yeah, um, this is one of the reasons you want to have your drafts as late as possible. But then the problem is a lot of drafts are this week, and because so many people do multiples, it's scheduling-wise, that's why some leagues were doing it last weekend. But I, I some leagues do it before training camp, which is nuts. Um but, uh, you know, everybody's got their own thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, what's just uh, – oh, and, uh, uh, I mean, he, he repaid his debt to society. But, uh, yeah, the Steelers signed uh, Michael Vick. And yep. uh, I heard there's fans – some fans were getting a petition. You know what? I hated what Michael Vick did. He, he paid his dues. You know, we did two years federal time. That's not a slap on the wrist. Nope. Let him be. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, it's disgusting, but let him be. You don't like him, then if you see him walking down the street, don't say hello to him. Just walk on by. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, Michael Vick, he, uh, with that dog fighting thing, you know, he was uh, supporting uh, He was supporting a lot of people. He was very generous before that. He, he probably still is, but he doesn't have as much, nearly as much money as he had back then. You know, he's supporting these three bums he grew up with. And then when the poop hit the fan, nobody took the rap, you know. And and he was the one guy who couldn't. And and they all turned, the three of them, before he decided to cooperate. And, 
you know, uh, he, that's what happens when you make and keep the wrong friends. No fall guy, Jeff. No you know, fall guy. And, and he was supporting those guys, you know, and, yep. and they knew or they should have known that he, he couldn't be associated with something like that. Um, and they, they, they didn't want to take the fall for him. Yep, and he uh, paid the price. I, I don't know if the other two guys, I think it was two guys, maybe more, uh, paid the same price. But uh, they wanted to make an example of him, so um, they did that. And he did that. Like I said, he did it too. You know, this, this is how I feel. And, and I think you, you, you express the same thing. You did your time, okay? You paid your debt to, to society. Um how much more do you have to pay a debt to? Um, um, this country was built on second chances. So, um, where did that where did, where did that get lost? Uh, so, it is what it is. Uh, some people uh, can't can't forgive and forget, and think that you have to have a, a, a life sentence um, uh, on. Something like something like what he did. So you know, I, I'm I'm a animal lover myself. I, I own a dog, um, and I would never want anything like that to uh, happen or someone do do something to a dog like that. But he paid the debts of society. What more you want? You, you, you want love from him? Come on. So, and, and it's been years since uh, uh, he paid his debt, and it's been years that uh, he's been um, super super clean. No incidences whatsoever ever since he came out of prison and became a different person than what what he was before he went in and uh he he's done a lot of good ever since he's been out um but people are uh have a tendency to throw a blind eye to that for some reason all right uh there's something else I wanted to talk about here um and it's this and the only reason I'm bringing this up, I know it has to do with my team, but the only re- reason I'm bringing this up is because um, I told you that we're talking about disappointments, sad day and disappointments. Well, I'm disappointed in um, um, a Houston Texan called Ryan Mallett. Uh, what happened with Ryan Mallett is this. Um, uh, in Hard Knocks, he was uh, uh, told um, in a meeting, uh, him and um, Brian Hoyer, along with some coaches, along with uh, Bill O'Brien, who was uh, uh, in charge of the meeting, uh, and said that um, Brian Hoyer was going to be the starting quarterback for the uh, Houston Texans going forward. Quite naturally, Ryan Mallett said he was disappointed. Um, in in an uh, ensuing press conference, he said, I know I'm going to play um, um which I think was the wrong thing to say, but I, I know I'm going to play um, sometime this season because uh, we played four quarterbacks last year. Um, extenuating circumstances, it, it was the reason why four quarterbacks played last year. Um, Brian Hoyer plays well for an extended period of time. Um, Brian Mallett, Ryan Mallett won't see the field. But that's not the reason why I'm bringing it up. The re- re- reason I'm bringing it up is this. Now, I don't know if this could be a reason or because uh, he didn't show the type of leadership 
uh, that Bill O'Brien was looking for. But uh, today, today, 27-year-old Ryan Mallett missed Thursday's practice because he overslept. Now, it's hard for me to understand how a 27-year-old man who wanted to get the uh, starting job for the Houston Texans in the worst way could could oversleep uh, and, and uh, um, mispractice, not 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 be late to practice, mispractice. That's that's I mean late to practice, you you'll suffer consequences. But you mispractice, that's even worse. And you're supposed to be one of the quarterbacks who's supposed to be a leader on on the, on the uh, team. Um, not a good thing um, at all. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, the thing is, you know, Mallet did not help himself because, you know, who knows? He could be looking for a job somewhere as a backup next year, and he didn't act like a guy teams would want to bring in for that. Um, hey, I, I've been disappointed at work. I've, I've felt like I was screwed over, but you got to suck it up and show up the next day. And sometimes it's an act and you got to be nice too. And I hate to say it, sometimes it's an act, but you know, this is what you got to do if you're a grown up. Yep. And speaking of quarterbacks, your, your favorite and my favorite quarterback, Mr. Uh, Johnny football is done for the preseason. Manziel's store right elbow will keep him from playing Saturday uh, against the Tampa Bay. And uh, the coach, Coach Mike Patine, said given the fast turnaround for the finale, which is uh, following Thursday uh, against Chicago, um, he doesn't see that quarterback in that game as well. Um, Patine said the plan had been for Manziel to play against Tampa Bay starters in the second quarter and for half against Chicago. Now he said you can't get those reps back. He'll lose out on all that real-time experience. But we're, but supposedly, this is what he said, we're very pleased with where he is currently. Uh, we truly felt like, hey, he needs to get out there and get these reps. Then this is something we could have worked through. Well, um, but we just felt like heading into the season, it's a long year. Let's go ahead and shut him down and rest to make sure it's, it's 100% once we head to New York for the opener. Johnny Manziel getting shut down. I, I, maybe inconsequential, inco- but um, I think there was a little rumbling that um, there was a start of a, con- a quarterback controversy with uh, um, Josh McGowan because uh, Johnny Manziel had picked up his play. What's your thoughts? I mean, um, you know, it's a shame that Manziel wasted last year. Yeah, he really did. I hate to say because sometimes, even if a guy isn't playing, he's developing. And I don't think, you know, possibly because of some of his personal problems, he didn't develop. And uh, you know, uh, so he's he's almost like a rookie all over again. And uh, you know, it, it may be more of a sideshow than uh, an NFL quarterback. But you know, if he could be a good quarterback, you know. He'd be exciting to watch, but uh, hey, hey, you got to win the job, you know, and uh, that doesn't look close to happening. 
Speak of, I'm glad, Jeff, we happen to be on point this week. Um, I'm talking about winning a job, quarterback job, and that's a great segue going into upstate New York, where um, E.J. Manuel is going to get the starting job. Now, there was talk of Castle. There was talk of Tyra Taylor. And this is the third game. And making a decision on quarterback, you usually have it by the third game. And uh, you go forward from there. Well, E.J. Manuel is supposedly going to get the start in the third game of the preseason. And uh, this is pretty baffling to me because um, what's what's the deal with Matt Castle or um, Tyrod Taylor? All of a sudden, those two guys are going to take a backseat in the starting position for this game and have E.J. Manuel out there? I don't get it. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I don't know if Rex has named a starting quarterback yet or or he's just trying trying to throw the Colts off who they play week one, um, that the Colts don't know what quarterback they're going to have to game plan for, whether it's Matt Castle, E.J. Manuel, or Tyrod Taylor. Um, but this is Russian roulette with your offense when you put another quarterback that's supposedly number three on your depth chart um, starting a third preseason game. Talk to me, Jeff. I mean, I'm guessing maybe they want to see how Manuel looks with the first team, possibly. Um, hey, maybe they want, might want to showcase him the trade, but, uh, you know, NFL, they don't make a lot of trades, especially for a quarterback. It's uh, they got too much to learn during a, during the season. Um, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you, like, if Manuel was maybe the second String guy, it would look bad, but to be a first-round pick and then a few years later you're looking at third string, that doesn't look so hot. And I'm curious about um, uh, Ty, uh, Tyrod Tyler, the, the the guy, the second. Well, they think he might be the leader, the one who uh, used to play back up uh, in Baltimore. He's interesting because right. I barely heard of him, and, and you wonder if you know. You know, when he was uh, holding the clipboard in Baltimore, he was working hard to uh, make, you know, so when he got his opportunity, make the best of it because maybe he did. You know, I remember uh, years ago, Jeff Blake was the third-string quarterback for the Jets. They said he was the hardest-working guy in the team. The Jets cut him, goes to Cincinnati, and became a pretty good quarterback. You know, maybe uh, Taylor be like him. You know, when when I was a Jet fan, um, and I'm still a fan of the college. Uh, the reason I was a fan of the college, uh, East Carolina, because that's where Jeff Blake uh, played his college college games. And I became, when Jeff Blake became a uh, um, member of the Jets, um, I was a fan of the East Carolina Panthers, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Pirates or something like that. Um, and I'm still, to this day, still a fan of the uh, East Carolina football program. So, um, we'll have to wait and see. I thought Tyro Taylor, like you said, had a uh, um, had a uh, was the lead man in that. But I don't know what Rex is doing. No one knows what Rex is doing. All right, Jeff, um, we're about out of here. Do you got uh, anything that you want to close the show with before uh, we uh, step off? Uh, did, did you hear about uh, 
the Virginia Tech uh, head football coach fining players for uh, minor infractions? No, I didn't. Crazy. I mean, uh, 50 bucks fine to guys who weren't supposed to be getting paid for not cleaning your room. Man, if they would have had that when I was in college, I mean, I wasn't on a football scholarship, man, I would have been bankrupt. I mean, that, and my thing is, I'm very results-oriented. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. You know, if I'm judging a football player, as long as you're on time, you do your job, I don't I don't care if you got a messy room. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's me. You know, I'm, I'm real results. I don't, I don't care about stuff that has nothing to do with it, you know? Okay. All right. Uh, well, we're stuff. out of here, Jeff. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, I want to thank uh, you you for joining me tonight. I want to thank those who are listening. Uh, and thank for those who uh, listen to us in the archives. <coughs> Catch us again next week, same time, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday night. Enjoy the uh, preseason games. Um, uh, I'll see you in the draft room um, this weekend, Jeff. Uh, yeah. On a, a couple of occasions, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, at least one. Uh, two, I think. Two, I think we have two on Sunday from early yep. and, and late on Sunday, right? Uh, catch you yep. on, on both both ends of that. And uh, um, for those uh, that are drafting this weekend, uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday is uh, National Draft Day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, enjoy the uh, uh, drafts that you um, t- t- participate in. Know your what you know and go in with a plan. Uh, and, and, and just like, and I always say this, just like um, Mike Tyson says when a, a guy step into the ring with him, uh, I, and this is a great uh, way to, to, to step into your draft, everybody has a plan until they get hit. And it, the reason I'm saying that is go, go in with a plan, but understand that you're going to get hit with a uh, um, uh, 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 a surprise or two or three and be able to adjust in your draft. That being said, take care. See you next Thursday. Yeah. It's Mr. Anchor. Fantasy sports and politics. Crew. Yeah. Check. Fantasy sports and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this Cover every sport and we get it all right Log on the site, you can listen tonight Talk about the game, who in first place You can even call up, state your own case Football, b-ball, soccer too Log on, ain't nobody stopping you It's fantasy, sports, and politics crew Yeah, yeah, come on Fantasy, sports, and politics crew Yeah, fantasy, sports, and politics